Welcome to the Running Explained podcast. I'm Elizabeth, a marathoner, running coach, and answer seeker. When I became a new runner at the age of 29, I had so many questions, but it felt like I was on my own to figure out all of the answers. So now I'm here to answer all your running questions to help make you a better, smarter, faster runner. There's no question too simple and no topic too complex. So let's get started. Are you curious about dipping your toe in the trail of possibilities? Are you looking at trail runners and trail races and going, I think I might want to do that, but I kind of don't know how to get started. This conversation with my guest this week, Elizabeth Jansen, AML of Elizabeth Healthy Life is all about how to get started with trail running, why it's different from road running, how it's different from road running, the different things you might need to know before you start your trail running career. Yes, you can both road and trail run and race at the same time, but of course there are some things you need to consider depending on what you are specifically training for in any given cycle. So Elizabeth is a multi-time Leadville Marathon finisher. She is also an ultra runner. She still runs regular races though, and that's why this conversation I think is going to be really relevant to a lot of people who are not wanting to give up road running entirely, but do want to learn more about trail running and what that might mean for them. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you here. Hi, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. So as I was telling you before, I feel like I have known you on the internet for a couple years now, but for everybody who doesn't know you, tell us about yourself. How'd you become a runner and a coach and end up where you are today? Yeah, that's a great question. So my name is Elizabeth and I live in New Hampshire with my husband. We just moved here in June after living in Boston for eight years. And I guess you could say I'm just a lover of running. I love all types of running, road running, trail running, whatever it is. I enjoy myself when I'm out there. I've run like 16 or 17 marathons. I've kind of lost track. Um, And five of those were trail marathons. I've done, you know, a number of half marathons, some of which were trail 10Ks, 5Ks. And I recently completed my first mountain ultra marathon over Labor Day weekend. It was 33 miles and it was on Jay Peak, which is a mountain in northern Vermont, you know, just a few miles south of the Canadian border. So pretty up there. Um, so yeah, I've I've dipped my toes into both road running and trail running. Um I started running consistently back in 2015, but my interest in long distance running really began in 2013. So a little bit, a little bit about me and my family. We love the outdoors. We love to ski, hike, just be in nature. And I have an older brother named Robert, and he is a huge mountain lover, climber, skier. And uh, after he's two and a half years older than me, and after he graduated from college in 2011, he moved out to Denver, Colorado and accepted a job as a full-time geologist. And that's just where he thrived. He's just a mountain person. So he moved there the summer of 2011 and in June of 2012, so almost a year after he was living there, he decided to run the Leadville Trail Marathon. It was his first marathon and he absolutely crushed it. He, I think he placed 33rd overall. And it's just, it's an insane race. And being his first marathon, 
he did really, really well. And so that was in June of 2012. Fast forward to August of 2012. He just turned 24 and he was out in the mountains one day and he was caught in a rock slide and passed away. Um, and that happened the same day that I moved into my apartment for senior year of college. I was down at the University of Richmond in Virginia. And, you know, I was starting the academic year with this um, huge loss. And I, I took some time to go home to be with my family, but I made the decision to go back and complete my fall semester, you know, take my courses, do my on-campus job, think about post-graduation life and also navigate this loss and this grief. And I think it was sometime in the spring of my senior year, I left campus and just decided to go for a run one day. I wasn't a runner. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have a watch. I didn't have any expectations for myself. I just wanted to get outside and move. Um, so I was doing like a run walk structure. I would see a fence and think to myself, okay, I'm just going to run to that fence and, and then I can walk. And I mean, I maybe went two miles max. It wasn't anything earth shattering or something like that. But I, I do remember getting back to my apartment after that and just feeling like a weight was lifted off my shoulders. I felt like I could just take a deep exhale and let everything go. And I felt clear in my mind and um, I wanted to pursue that feeling. So I ran a few times senior year in the spring semester, nothing insane. Um, but that June of 2013, my family and I and tons of family members and friends went out to Leadville to participate in the races like Robert had done the year before. So some people did the marathon. Some people did the heavy half, which is on the same day. It's 15 and a half miles. And a lot of people just cheered um, at the finish line and the starting line. I did the heavy half and my goal was just to to walk it, just to hike it. Um and I remember it was just so challenging, but I crossed the finish line feeling so empowered and strong and like I could do anything I set my mind to. And fast forward to 2014, we went out again and it's we've gone out every year since and it's always this huge group of people celebrating Robert and honoring his life and being outside in the mountains and um. I remember I wasn't I didn't have a watch. I remember I was wearing this blue fanny pack and I had like my digital camera in it. I didn't have trail running shoes and I didn't know the lingo. I remember saying I just want to improve my time. I didn't know I could say like, oh, I want a PR. Um, I wasn't really in the running community. Um, but that was 2014 and 2015 came around and I thought, you know what, I'm going to pursue this running thing. I'm going to really throw myself into it and, and see what I can do and push my limits and put myself out there. So in 2015, I started working with my coach. Her name's Siobhan Pritchard, and she lives out in Colorado. She and her husband were really good friends with Robert. She's been my coach ever since, and she's helped me get into awesome shape, train for races, run consistently. And I, I just, I just haven't looked back. It's become such a huge part of my life and I absolutely love it. That's an amazing story. And I'm so sorry for your loss. And 
running is something that I feel like we find it or it finds us when we need it the most. Mm -hmm. The reason I ask people this question, how did you become a runner is because everybody becomes a runner in a different way. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's so nice that you've been able to find such joy in the sport that your brother also found such joy in. Yeah. Um, yeah, I always feel so close to Robert when I'm out there and I always, especially in the mountains, you know, when you're way up high and you're so exposed, I feel like he's right there with me. And I just know he's so proud of everything I've accomplished and, um, and is excited for me and for what's to come. And you've run, so you've now run Leadville yeah. a couple times. That's the mar- the trail marathon you've done yeah. the most. Yeah. And that is a serious trail race. I know we're going to talk about trail running today specifically. And one of the more challenging things when we talk about the sport of trail running is that it really, roads are roads. We're talking about trail running. You can have anything from basically flat, basically a dirt road in the mountains to a jumble of rocks that somebody decided to call a trail. Yes. <laughs> um, Leadville is on the challenging side, isn't it? It absolutely is. So first of all, Leadville is a small town and it's over 10,000 feet in elevation. Like it is way up there in altitude. So the race alone starts at over 10,000 feet. So if you're coming from sea level, like I do every year, that's a huge challenge in itself. And with the trail marathon, like you said, um, maybe like a mile and a half is on pavement. And then you kind of escape Leadville and get into the mountains. And we've had, I mean, there have been years where the snow banks are probably as tall as I am. Um, There's mud, there's rocks. You are completely exposed at some points. One year, the wind gusts at the highest elevation, I think we're at or just over 50 miles an hour. I mean, it, you're right. It's completely different than trail running, especially Leadville. I always, when people are curious about Leadville, I always say, okay, take an image of a road race, like in downtown Chicago or, or through your town or something. Okay. Now crumple that image up and just throw it away because Leadville couldn't be any different. Um, And over the course of the Leadville Trail Marathon, you gain over 6,000 feet in elevation. So there's a lot of hiking. There's a lot of climbing too, which you might not see quite as often in road running. Um, I mean, you're going up mountains and things like that. So there's definitely a huge mindset shift if you are transitioning from road running to, to trail running for sure. So for somebody who is interested in hitting the trails for the first time, what are the basics of what they should know about? If, if somebody's been running for a couple of years, they know what they're doing on the roads and they say, well, I've heard about this trail thing. What are the things that they need to know or kind of right off the bat? What are the differences? Is there any different gear that they need? What should they expect when they head to the trails for the first few times? That's a really good question. Um, there are a lot of differences between road running and trail running. I think the biggest and the most obvious, like we were just talking about, is that trail running is much more technical. So like you said, with road running, you might be on a street in your neighborhood or running down the sidewalk. Well, trail running, you're often finding yourself in the woods or on a mountain. So you're running over things like roots, streams, river crossings, rocks, snow, leaves, I mean, you name it, you're probably going to encounter it on a trail run. So you have to be very 
careful and so focused, especially with your footing, just because one little misstep can lead to a fall, a slip, and an injury. So you have to really be on when you're trail running and very mentally engaged. Um, I never wear headphones when I'm out on the trails, whether I'm doing a training run by myself or even during a race when there are more people around, I never wear headphones just because I don't want to find myself getting, you know, lost in a song and kind of forget what I'm doing and then slip and fall and get injured or something. Um, So that's probably the biggest difference. There's a lot of climbing in trail running and it's totally, I mean, it's totally fine to walk and hike whether you're trail running or road running like walking is always okay um and trail running is just a part of it right you know they call it climbing power hiking hiking there are always going to be really steep steep pitches or mountains where you just need to stop and maybe whip out your trekking poles or your hiking poles if you have some and walk that's just part of the norm with trail running. I So for my ultra that I ran in September on J-Peak, it was an 11-mile loop, and we did it three times. And the first almost three miles of the loop, so something that we did three times, was just hiking up the backside of J-Peak to the summit. So you're deep in the woods, and you're hiking up this really steep mountain. Of course, I'm not going to be like running up a mountain. Um, And most people weren't, you know, I wasn't at the front seeing what the leaders were doing, but a lot of people were hiking and walking. And that's, that's totally fine. And the same for Leadville. Um, You hit some really steep pitches, especially going up Mosquito Pass, which is a high mountain pass. And that's where you peek over, I think it's at 13,185 feet. And there are just these rocky switchbacks going up and up. And you you have to hike those. Um, I mean, unless you live in Leadville and that's where you train every day, maybe you're running up it. But a lot of people like myself, we we hike. That kind of leads into shifting your mindset a little bit, especially with things like speed and paces and splits. It's not going to be the same on the trails as it is on the road. So let's say, you know, you're doing an easy run on the roads and your easy pace is around a 10 minute mile. You know, if you're doing an easy run in the trails, it's probably not going to be a 10 minute mile, especially if you're going to have some parts where you have to walk. And so seeing your mile splits on your watch, they're probably going to be a few minutes slower and that's okay. Um, I can absolutely see where that might be a bit of a hard thing to wrap your mind around at first, but it's just a part of trail running. Um, so maybe if you have to wear your watch when you're out trail running, maybe cover it up with your sleeves or turn off the mile split notification so it's not constantly buzzing. But my my mile paces are are like never under 10 when I'm trail running. Like there, there's 17, 20, 15. I mean, it, it just kind of reflects the terrain you're on. Um, so that can be a pretty big difference. I think it's important to always also prepare yourself for what you're doing. So like you said, for trail running, 
it's probably a good idea to go to the running store and get fitted for a pair of trail running shoes. You know, you're not going to be wearing those Nike vapor fly or alpha flies out on the trails. You know, you want a shoe that's stable, that's durable, that has a lot of traction um, because you're going to be on rocks and things like that, possibly slippery rocks too. You want something that's going to really help you stay stable and upright when you're running. And I guess in general, just how you structure your training and your runs. Um, A lot of times for trail running, your runs may be time-based or duration-based instead of distance-based. So for instance, if you're training for a road marathon, maybe, you know, you've got a six-mile run, a five-mile run, and then your long run is 18 miles. Well, for a trail race, you your long run might just be three hours easy on the trails. I had a ton of time-based long runs over the summer. I had a two and a half hour during my peak week. I had a four hour with a two hour the following day. I mean, I was just, I was really scared, but I forced myself to go out on the trails and get some practice. And it's, you know, if you, especially if you switch up the trails you're running on, you never really know how long it's going to take to cover a mile. So having it time-based as opposed to different distance space is a bit of a safer option to go. So you're not overly exerting yourself or doing too much one day. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I love this. It's like a crash course. I'm like, oh, so you want to you want to go on a trail run? Okay, maybe this is a little bit different than yes. I thought it was, right? Just a little bit. <laughs> I get this question: Do I need trail shoes to go for a trail run? Do you need them? No. Should you have them? Probably. (laughs) And I will tell the story. So I grew up hiking. I grew up fairly outdoorsy. And so when I started running, uh, there was a trail race that was not too far away from where I lived a couple years ago. And I'd never run a trail race before. And I thought, well, I run. I know how to hike. Like, how hard can this be? Got Mm -hmm. of my road running shoes, drove down. I forget what it was like a 8K or a 12K. It was a weird distance. And Oh man, I was lucky that it was dry that day. <laughs> I was lucky that the, it wasn't too technical of a train. It was a fairly good, well-marked dirt path, but it was still in the woods. And I finished that race and drove to the running store and bought a pair of trail shoes. <laughs> like literally <laughs> on the way home, I, if I'm going to keep doing this, I actually need trail yeah. shoes because I was... It's just traction, right? Trail yeah. shoes are, I could, they're, they're grippier, they're luggier, they're like a hiking boot and a running yeah. shoe had a baby and you need them. You are literally in the woods. You're gonna yes. need a pair of trail shoes. Yeah, and I feel like every time you're out there, you learn something new. So like what you just said, you went out for a run and in the on the trails and you realized you need 
trail shoes. So you make that change. And then the next time you go out there, you're a little more prepared than the first time. And yeah, every time you're out there, it's just, it's a learning experience and you always encounter something new, whether it's wildlife or, oh, I need this piece of gear really badly. I should probably buy some. Um, it's, you're always learning. Um, yeah, you probably also want to get things like a hydration backpack because you might not stumble across a ton of water fountains if you're in the mountains or something like that. Maybe you need a headlamp um, if you're out for a sunset run or something like that. Um, and again, I never, I never wear headphones, so there are certain things I bring, certain things I leave home. It just, it just kind of depends. <laughs> Let's talk about two aspects of trail running. And you mentioned this before in your watch, you got to shift your mindset. Your splits are not going to be the same on the trails. They are on the road, like not even close. And it might even be better just to turn off the auto lap for sure. Yeah. Don't even look at the distance because I'll even go further and say, not only are you, are you guaranteed to be slower on the trails, but your GPS probably is a bit crappy because you are in the woods and probably in the middle of nowhere for some people. Yeah, That's a really good point. Um, and if you are a newer trail runner or you want to start exploring the trails a little bit, I would always recommend carrying a map of where you're going. Just because, like you said, your watch might not be accurate, your cell phone, you might not have service to call or text someone. Um, so that's probably like one of my biggest tips for people who are dipping their toes into trail running is to always carry a paper map and try to utilize the All Trails app too. I did that a lot over the summer and refer to the map when I was making my way around a, a trail. Um, and I could see my little GPS blue dot blinking as I moved. But yeah, going back to what you were saying about paces and splits, um, it takes time to get used to seeing paces and mile times that are a little bit slower than what you might clock on the roads. And I know for so many people that in getting faster is such a huge goal for road running. And while you can be a trail runner and get faster in PR and races, it's so much more than speed. You know, it's about building strength and building your endurance and having a strong body to carry you up and over those steep climbs and through some tricky weather and tricky terrain. I mean, you need to be strong and powerful in so many ways, and it's a lot more than the time on your watch. So, if you're struggling with making that mindset shift, shift, keep at it. Um, most important thing is that you're out there having fun and, and talk to other runners at the trail race, or if you run with a trail running group, you know, pick their brain and ask them questions. Hey, have you done road riding, road running? If so, how did you make that mental shift into trail running and being okay with seeing slower times and, you know, logging slower miles um back to the the safety part too and i love that you said bring a paper map and i'm sure half the people listening are like a what now like, where do i even buy a what now um i don't care how accomplished you are on the roads if you're throwing down 20 milers you know every other weekend on the roads 
start with like a 30 minute trail run. Seriously, you don't know. You don't know until you know, right? Yeah. It's, it is really easy. I think the first time that I went for an actual trail run, I was like, I'll just go out for like an easy seven miles. I think I made it about three and a half miles total yeah. <laughs> in the time that I had allotted, right? It, it is, uh, and, and it's dangerous. If you fall, if you hurt yourself and nobody knows where you are, if you <laughs> don't know where you are, like learn to read a compass. <laughs> trail running is technical in many ways. And this is also one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always tell someone where you're going. Um, Even if you're doing a race and there are other people out there, chances are you're going to get separated from the other people in the race. So whether you're doing race or a training run, always tell at least one person where you're going, how long you expect to be there. Like, hey, I'm going to this trail. I plan to run for two hours or I plan to run five miles here. And Give them an estimated time about when you'll be done so you can text them, hey, I'm done. Just in case, like you said, something happens, you get injured and you need help and your your cell phone doesn't work, they know where to go to find you. Um, and another thing that's different between tra- trail running and road running is that you can – you know, oftentimes encounter wildlife out there in the trails, which is something that I was really, and still am, very scared of, Um, especially this past summer when I I was training for the ultras. You know, I was doing all my training runs on the trails solo, and being new to New Hampshire, I've never run on these trails before, and I was terrified of seeing a bear or a moose, and one run I actually did run into a grown black bear and I made it out alive, which is great. But um, you have to tell us what you did though. Like what happened? You saw a bear and there has to be more to this story. <laughs> it was, so we moved here in June and it was my first long run training for JP. So it was the beginning of July. Siobhan said, okay, two and a half hours of easy running on the trails. And like you said, Elizabeth, I was I in my head, I was like, all right, so like what, 12 miles, half marathon. I made it maybe seven miles, like maybe seven. <laughs> I was like, I was exhausted afterwards. I mean, it was just very humbling, but yeah, so I went to this trail. I found it on all trails. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And I get to the trailhead. There's one other car. So I'm like, okay, it's probably going to be a pretty quiet run. Not going to see too many people. So I was a little nervous about that too, just kind of being alone in the woods and maybe seeing one person every now and then. So it was a two and a half hour run. I you know, the first 40 minutes, I don't see anyone. So I'm like, all right, I'm kind of freaking out. I finally see this older man walking. We smile. We say, hey, I feel so much better. You know, I continue on. I'm gaining more confidence every minute. And I see a few other people here and there. And it's, and I'm, and I'm like recording videos. I'm like, look, I'm trail running. And, <laughs> and it's hour two and 20 minutes. So I have 10 minutes left and I, I start heading back to the trailhead. I'm like, yes, I did it. Cause I'm not wearing headphones. I'm moving along the path and I hear like branches and sticks breaking off to the left. So I just kind of glance and I'm exhausted. So I see this big, massive grown black bear and I stop and I look at it and I'm like, is there 
any chance that a that's not real or b that's a human in a bear costume i'm like trying to figure out how that couldn't be real and and i had like an out-of-body experience you know when you just levitate out of your body and then and it just registers and i'm like okay that's a black bear this is getting real and fortunately it was to my side and like ahead just a little bit so it wasn't facing me it was going in the same direction i was going um i think it was maybe not even 50 feet away from me so it was pretty close so i just stopped and i didn't make any sound i didn't even pause my watch because of that beep when it when you pause it i was like i don't want to startle this animal so when I realize it's a bear, I, I quickly scan for cubs. I'm like, okay, I hope it's just by itself. Unfortunately, it was. So like, okay, we're 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 doing okay. So I pull my phone out and I text Siobhan. And if she's listening to this, she's probably laughing because she sees bears like every day. This is just a norm for her. And I'm like, okay, bear, this is not a drill. Like there is a bear. She's like, all right, just stop, back away slowly and you'll be fine fortunately like i said it wasn't looking at me i don't i don't think it saw me um so i just stood there and eventually it went out of sight and i texted her i was like all right what do i do because i have to get to my car and she's like just turn on your music and turn up the volume the whole way and blast your music and just slowly proceed on and i was so terrified of making a sound like turning on music because I thought I would scare it um but I did I turned on my music and once I did it was I felt so much calmer and I just walked back to my car and um you know that was at the very end of my run if I had seen that bear in the very beginning of my run I'm not sure I would have proceeded on but that was the only one I saw this summer, but you know, Siobhan was like, if you're going to keep trail running, you're going to see, that's not the last bear you'll see. So good first experience, I guess. <laughs> As you're telling the story, I'm like, my heart's heart <laughs> elevated. I'm like, oh my God, a bear. So I love that you mentioned the cubs. If you are going to spend yeah. any significant time in the woods, one, you have to understand the wildlife that you're most likely to encounter. Most wildlife in the woods is far more scared of you than you are of it, but yeah. there are some key exceptions. And that is when big, big animals have babies they're trying yes. to protect. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I guess I don't even know what I would have done. I probably just would have tried to calmly back away. Like Siobhan had said, since this incident, I've done tons of reading about what to do when you see a bear, what to do when you see a moose. I didn't know before this summer that moose get irritated really easily. Oh, they're assholes. Yeah. <laughs> no idea. And fortunately I've never run into one, but yeah, definitely do your research and be overly prepared um, for the elements and what you might encounter when you're out there. <laughs> yeah, bears, moose, snakes. I know that where a lot of people live, snakes are a real concern. Yeah. And those are not necessarily hunting you, but more if you don't see them and they, you startle them, they yes. might come at you. So it's all don't we say that's not to scare you trail runners, <laughs> but to say like you, it is it is nature, right? right? Nature can be brutal sometimes. Yeah, I got back home and I told Kyle, I was like, oh my gosh, I saw a black bear, and he was like, well, you were kind of running through its home. Like, what do you expect? It's like, 
Okay. <laughs> Am I not the only one who's shocked about this? <laughs> there are things like bear spray. I mean, yes. there are ways that you can protect yes. yourself if you are really concerned. Yes. But research is always first and foremost going to be your friend. Absolutely. Yeah. So if anybody's listening to this and saying like, this just sounds like hiking tips, it, it kind of is. I think yeah. if you've probably drawn the parallel, like trail running is hiking just faster. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um. So the basic kind of, Outdoor safety tips still apply, like be prepared, bring layers, bring food, bring water. I like to bring with my hydration pack. I tuck like a Mylar safety blanket in there just in case the worst happens. Um, even in the summer, it can get chilly at night. Mm -hmm. There are just like the basics of being safe in the woods mm -hmm. as a trail runner or a hiker or whatever your thing is. If you're in the woods, you need to be prepared for being in the woods for potentially longer than you had planned. Yeah, exactly. I always bring more fuel and more fluids than I think I'll need. So I'll fill up my, my Nathan hydration pack full capacity. I'll bring probably two, maybe three more gels or Stroop waffles than I think I'll need. So I'll calculate, maybe I'll need five for a two and a half hour run. Maybe, so maybe I'll bring seven or eight just in case. Um, and like you said, layers, especially if you're, the trail you're on has parts that are in the woods, parts are more exposed, especially if you're high, a high altitude and there's could be a threat for thunderstorms. You wanna be prepared with maybe a jacket or somewhere you can go um, in case it starts raining. Um, so definitely look ahead, um, read reviews on the All Trails app if you can find the route there, see what other hikers and trail runners have said. Um, and yeah, always do research, like Google articles about trail running and things you might need to pack with you for sure. The other thing I'll mention, I said this at the top of the episode is that not all trails are created equal. So if you are, so I, you're in New Hampshire. I grew up in Maine and I live in Connecticut. New England trails can be like the White Mountains are no joke. Mm -hmm. the, that is not that is not your beautiful Western buffed trail that you might encounter no. in Colorado or out West where it's like, it's it's a trail and that it's not a paved road, but mm -hmm. like it's nicer than some roads I've been on. Those are beautiful trails. Yeah. Not all trails are runnable. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, some are just flat out hiking. And sh if you choose to count that as your trail training run, that's fine. Just know that, you know, your pace and your speed is going to reflect the fact that you are hiking up rocks. Um, yeah. A question I get a lot is people who want to know how much they can train on one or the other. It's like, how much trail running can I do for a road race? How, yeah. how much road running can I do if I'm training for a trail race? Like, is it possible to train for one discipline entirely on the other terrain? Like what, what is your general guidance on what the good practices would be for training for road versus trail and how much you can spend on road and or trail, depending on what your goals are? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, because a lot of people, you know, do both. However, they are so extremely different. Um, so if you're training for a trail race, then I would highly encourage you to get out on the trails for some of your runs, particularly your long runs, you know, those hours at a time, get out there, get on the trails, just so when you're lining up for the race, 
you have some confidence in yourself like hey i did four long runs and they were all two and a half hours on the trails i did all that on the trail so you have a little bit of confidence in yourself knowing that you've braved the elements before this isn't something that's completely new to you you want to have that practice running on that technical terrain and especially hiking, right? If there's a lot of elevation in your race, you want your legs to be prepped for those steep hills, those rocky steep pitches, or maybe the mountains if you're running in the mountains. Um, I mean, I, I don't, for some people, I don't know if it's entirely realistic for you to get on on the trails for all of your training runs if you're doing a trail race like if you live closer to a city or something it might not be realistic to get to the trails every day to run but again i would really make that effort um for the long runs at least to get out on the trails um it also gives you really good practice running in your trail shoes carrying your hydration pack using poles carrying a map like getting dirty you know like road race road racing can be very glamorous like with the shoes and the little bun bathing suit short things and crop tops well okay in trail running you get very dirty and very muddy there was a time over the summer where i emerged from the woods after running there for a couple hours and there was this a couple young families you know getting out of their cars going for a hike and I was covered in sweat. I mean, I looked like I lived in the woods. Like I was covered in sweat and bugs and dirt, sunscreen. And I was like, hi. <laughs> and and that's just something that is normal. I'm not sure if any members of those families were trail runners and they understood what I was doing, but just getting that practice will not hurt. So and the same with road racing, like if you're training for a road race and you are a longtime lover of trail running, you know, it's okay, I, I would say, you know, to do an easy run every now and then on the trails, you know, that can really break up the monotony of road running and maybe you're doing some speed work because your goal for the road race is to PR, hit a certain time, you know, trail running can really give you a change of scenery and get you back out into nature and maybe recenter you if that's something you need um, and kind of rejuvenate the soul. So I, I think it's, I think it's okay to, to do both. However, look at, look at the big picture and look at your goals. Like what are you actually training for? If it's a trail, then, you know, really focus on the trail. If you're going to win, you know, trying to win like a road 5k, then yeah, you'll probably have to do some speed work on the track um, and maybe some long runs on the road just to kind of get your body ready for that. But I think there you can absolutely fit in both no matter what you're training for. I think what's going to be really key, and like you said, yeah, if you want to do an easy run on the trail, that's fine. But understanding that that is going to be a significantly slower effort yeah. If you have a lot of vertical, mm -hmm. you might be in a place where your easy effort zone is hiking, not even power hiking, just like normal hiking. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe in advance, try to find a trail that's a, an, a beginner level. You know, I think on all trails, they do easy, moderate, advanced, or they have some kind of ranking. So maybe find something that's 
an easy level just so you can really make sure you are keeping it easy so when you need to hit the track for your speed workout or something your legs are not overly tired from like hiking up a mountain the day before or something like that (laughs) so you mentioned speed work in the context of training for road races yeah do you ever do speed work training for a trail race That's a really good question. Personally, no. I have never been training for Leadville or Jay Peak or something, and Siobhan has had me go to the track and, like, rip 800s. No. (laughs) You know, a lot of times I am running hill repeats, which is a form of speed work. You know, hills do make you faster. Um, But the focus is the hill, right? The focus is getting up on the incline. Um, A lot of times I will get on the treadmill and set the incline to 10 or maybe 13% and just climb for an hour plus really just to prep the legs for all the climbing that you do i did that a lot this summer and i felt so strong during the ultra like i just i never have felt that strong trail running or hiking in my life um and i think doing all the treadmill climbs and the hill repeats and long runs on the trails and easy runs on hills, it it adds up. So that is the more harder effort running, harder effort workouts that I would do in a trail run training cycle, if that makes sense. But no, yeah. That's cr- so. When you say climb, uh, you're talking about you're talking about walking. Up yes. At that oh yeah. yeah. I, no. 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 Yeah. N- not running at a, like a twelve percent incline. No, <laughs> I would fall right off that treadmill. <laughs> I mean, I know it's possible for some people to yeah. run at that <laughs> incline, but oh my god, it's please don't try that at home if you yeah. don't know. It is steep. <laughs> yeah. No, I would. My speed would be like three, maybe just over three. And and I would, it's so hard. So, you know, I would switch it up if I needed it to go a little slower at some points because I was so tired. It, it's a great workout. I mean, I, I would be dripping in sweat. So <laughs> it will really prep you if you're listening and you are um, gearing up to, to train for a trail race. Because trail running works so many more of those lateral, there's so many different movements involved in trail running, that technical aspect, you are moving in a lot of different ways that you don't when you road run. Road running is pretty much moving forward and we're using really repetitive movements and maybe you're climbing a little bit. Trail running is can be a full body workout. Yeah. Do you still do strength training in, in companion to your trail running training? I do, yeah. And it's good that you mentioned that because like like you said, like when you're going down a part of a trail or across a trail, I mean, you're taking really quick, small steps. You know, you're jumping from little rock to little rock, making sure you're not twisting an ankle. It's so important to build the strength in your core, in your glutes, in your legs, in your hips, your ankles. I mean, just because in trail running, it's so much more technical and you use all those little tiny muscles in your body that maybe you don't use quite as much during road running or you don't really activate as much when you're on the roads. So yeah, definitely find a strength training plan that will supplement your trail running uh, plan 
well and and stick to both. Um, it just like with road running, it, it will help reduce the risk of injury and the risk of inter- injury is just so much higher when you're out on the trail. So you want to do anything possible to, to minimize that. It, so injury risk is very real on the trail, but I, I would say that it's more the risk of acute injury rather than chronic injury. Yeah. If you don't fall when you're on a trail run, like, oh, you didn't fall. Yay, gold star. You know, right? <laughs> a tumble most runs. It's about, that's those are the runs you're more likely to roll your ankle oh or gosh. trip and skin yeah. your knee or like, you know, really you can, you can mess yourself up badly on a bad fall. Yeah. Unlike road running injuries, which are more like that cumulative chronic overuse. Yeah, yeah I have... Um, yes, absolutely. And I'm just thinking about Leadville when you're hiking up the switchbacks to, to Mosquito Pass, which is the highest point of the race. And then you turn around, you know, you you clock in and you turn around and you go down the switchbacks and it is narrow. It's very exposed and it's just loose rock. And there are people flying down the switchbacks. And I have seen people just completely wipe out and like Superman it and their elbows and their knees are really bloody. And it just, Oh, like when you see it happen or you hear it happen, you just know that, yeah, something there's probably going to be some blood. Um, but yeah, you need to be so careful, especially if there's a little water involved. Like if some snow is melting or there's a river or stream nearby, you really need to be, um, careful with how fast you're going. This is different if you're alpine hiking. If you're hiking on snowpack or on a glacier, you'll probably have a whole different set of gear and learn how to self-rest and all of that. But if you're on a normal trail hike and you start to fall, let yourself fall. Yeah. Like if you can, like sometimes you might slip and you can catch yourself, but if you find, if you are going down, let it happen. Yeah, I know. I know. Don't. So I guess what you want to do is superman it and like have your arms not break your fall because that would really hurt your wrist but yeah i guess like what you said just go forward and and let gravity do its thing i guess um (laughs) yeah as um as much as your mind not might not want to have you do that um yeah just kind of go with it and i've had so many instances during leadville where i'd be running down and my foot would just turn, I guess, 90 degrees. So I'd be like on my ankle and it would be just enough that I would be fine and I'd keep going. But I'd think, okay, if my ankle turned a little bit more, like that would be really bad. Like I could be here with a broken ankle or something. So it's, yeah, it'll keep you on your toes for sure. (laughs) Talking about ultra running. I think when people hear trail running, they automatically think ultra, but obviously that's not true that you can trail race in a variety of distances all the way from basically trail five Ks, but all the way up to ultra race, anything longer than a traditional marathon distance. Did your training for your ultra change significantly compared to trail marathon training, or did you just run more? That's a good question. I think one of the biggest and maybe the only change that I did was my the duration of my long run so I think peak week of my ultra training I did one Friday I did four hours out on the trails and then the next day Saturday I did two hours out on the trails 
Um, and I, I didn't get very far on either of them. The four hour one, I think I did like 20 ish miles, you know, it wasn't like I was well over a marathon. I think it was really just the, um, duration of my long runs that were really different. I still did the hill repeats. I still did the treadmill climbs. Um, I still did a lot of easy aerobic miles, you know, that's of course really important for road running too. Um, logging all those easy miles that are the foundation of your training. That was, that was the same. Um, what I used for fuel was the same. And I mean, fuel during like aid stations and trail races are like striking gold. I mean, it's just a wonderful sight when you emerge from like deep within the woods and there's like a feast in front of you. Like, yes, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, <laughs> Leadville must have aid stations. Yes. Leadville does have aid stations. I think in the marathon there's, so for the marathon and the heavy half, it's kind of an out and back. You start in Leadville and you go long, you both peak at the top mosquito pass, and then pretty much you do the same thing backwards. So you hit the aid stations out and back. Um, I could be wrong, but maybe there's like five total or I guess six total you would hit on the marathon, five or six. And yeah, they have things like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, chips, M&Ms, Coca-Cola, bananas, I mean, Fig Newtons, gels, of course, water. But it is just, I mean, I, I fill my pockets and I'm just one happy camper when I am at an aid station. It's wonderful. <laughs> Very different from water stops you're going to find in a road race. An aid station is like a little fountain of food in the yeah. middle of the woods. Yeah, right. Like during a road race, a lot of people, you know, they will just zip right through and like grab a cup of Gatorade out of your hand and kind of throw it into their mouth as best they can and chuck it and and keep on going. But yeah, at in a trail race, I mean, you really take a little time to stop at the table. I love to talk to the volunteers. You know, that's something I don't usually do during a trail race. I don't chat it up with the people handing out Gatorade. Um, I try to say thank you, but during a, a trail race, I mean, they, they're grin and bearing it too. Like they are out there for a long time themselves. I want to talk to them and and see how their day is going and just thank them. And, you know, everyone's always just so excited at the aid stations during a trail race. Like it is just a party. There's music playing and people are camped out with their chairs and their like cars that are built for the mountains. I mean, it's just a party. So I, I love it. <laughs> And like I, I mentioned before, you can, on certain races and especially in ultras, you can prepare gear bags or drop bags that are sent ahead to specific aid stations that you can then like break into in the middle of your race. Yeah, I I know you can do that. I don't think you do. You can do that for the Leadville Trail Marathon. I've never seen that. I've never heard about that. I know, of course, for the Leadville 100, probably the 52, like I'm sure they allow drop bags and pacers and things like that. Um, but yeah, you would especially need that with gear, especially if your race might be overnight or, you know, start early in the day and then later in the afternoon, you might need to change your clothes or change your socks or things like that. So 
yeah, that's very common in the trail running world too. Um, in Jay Peak, we didn't have drop bags because it was an 11 mile loop and we did it three times. So I, I basically made one for my parents and my husband. It was like full of blister stuff, extra socks, more fuel. And I'm really glad I made that because I definitely needed to use it <laughs> after each loop. It was, it came in handy. When you're describing like stopping at an aid station or stopping to do bliss, like you actually, there are times during trail races when, yeah, part of the race is you stopping to do something mm -hmm. like that's part of the race. You don't necessarily go, go, go continuously. You might yeah. stop and take your shoes off, eat something, change your socks with some blister packs, then continue on your way. Yeah. I, I had to do that after the first loop. So at mile four and a half of JPEG, so I had over a marathon to go, you know, it was 33 miles. And at mile four and a half, I started to feel a hot spot on my left heel. And, you know, of course, my map sack that I made with for my parents and my husband was down at the finish line. So I was like, all right, like, I'll just make it through till mile 11 when I cross, you know, this into the second loop, and then I'll change my socks. Well, by the time I made it to mile 11, like, it had already turned into a blister. So I, you know, sat down on the grass and I pulled off my shoes and my socks. And I was like, I think it's too late, but let's try the moleskin anyway. Let's try a dry pair of socks. I have no extra pair of shoes, so we'll just work with this. And yeah, I mean, a lot of the time on the clock was me stopping at aid stations, standing there, like shoving food into my mouth, sitting on the grass, changing my moleskin. I mean, it. there's a lot of things that go into that time when you see okay elizabeth jansen finished it in x number of hours like yeah a lot of that was running a lot of that was hiking a lot of that was like crouching under fallen trees um to make my way along the path there's a lot of things that go into a finishing time on the trails whereas for road racing it's like okay down the road you go and and that's how long it took you and you were just running the whole time <laughs> Fuel wise, I love that you brought up this recurring theme of, yeah, bring more fuel than you think you need. Yes. During races, you're going to want those aid stations just because you might be going low and slow for five, seven, 10, 24 hours. Doesn't mean you need any less food. Right. And like you might, you would need to be eating and fueling your body the entire way. What is your favorite trail food? Do you do gels? Do you do real food? What's your strategy when you train and race? That's a really good question. I, yeah, I certainly eat quite a lot when training for a trail race. I love, so I always do goo gels during road races and I started having Stroop waffles every now and then when I was training for the trails, just because it was something different. It felt a little more like real food and I just think they're good. Like they're basically kind of like soft cookies. Um, so I just really like those. So for JP and Leadville, I do fill my pouches in my pack with gels and waffles because they're small, light, and easy to carry. Um, but when I approach an aid station, I love Coca-Cola. I mean, that is just what I crave. It's what I go for. I, I mean, I throw it back like shots. It's probably a little frightening for the people working there, but I usually like throw back two cups and then I take two more and then I move my way along the table. I love pretzels, pickles, 
peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I usually don't go for like the chocolate chip cookies, M&Ms. I love sweets, but during a trail race, I love that salty carbonated stuff. That's just what I crave. Um, and I do have gels and waffles for the time in between aid stations, because unlike aid stations in road races where they are, you know, typically every two miles in trail races, a lot of times you have to go much further until you're at the next aid station. So you really need to prepare yourself and make sure you pack enough fuel and fluids so that you can last until the next one. Um, yeah, I drink Gatorade too. I think one time in Leadville, I mixed Gatorade with some other kind of drink that wasn't Coca-Cola, but it wasn't Gatorade in my hydration pack. It probably wouldn't have tasted good on any other day, but during Leadville, I mean, it was just so good. (laughs) (laughs) It's just fuel the fire. Doesn't matter what it is. (laughs) Yeah, no, but fueling often and consistently consistently just like road racing is so important and and making sure you have a good breakfast before heading out to the trails like you would before going for like a 20 mile run on the roads you know you need to be fueling consistently starting early taking your fluids consistently I mean it's it's important no matter what kind of running you're doing you've got to stay fueled I would even say it's more important with trail running because of the solitary and the isolated nature of this on a road run, even one when you're in on a road in the middle of nowhere, you're probably going to have a car pass you by. You probably get self reception in some capacity. If you dig yourself into a hole in a trail run, Mm -hmm. there's nobody around to help you. Like you, you have, you cannot let yourself get dehydrated. You cannot let yourself become under fueled. That is even more important in that in that situation. Right. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, That happened to me, uh, I think it was Leadville of 2016. So I ran it for the first time in 2015. And then I came back in 2016. I was like, all right, I want to PR, you know, I want to do this and I want to do it well. So I'm going to beat my time. And I remember I got to the checkpoint at the top of Mosquito Pass. And I think I was projected to get a really solid PR silly me um I thought I was invincible and that I didn't need to stop and um take time to refill my hydration pack with fluids because um I'm superwoman and I thought I could just make it and not get dehydrated so I didn't take the time to refill my pack and hydrate so coming back down I got so dehydrated and there's this one last pitch you go up ball mountain for a second time you go up and down the first going out and then go up and down the backside, going back to Leadville. And it's like two o'clock in the afternoon. Like the sun is beating down. It's dusty. It's hot. And I hadn't been hydrating at all. I think it was be actually, I didn't hydrate because I didn't want to take time to go to the bathroom in a porta potty and lose time by going to the bathroom. So don't do that. Um, don't try to bank time by not hydrating. So you won't pee definitely do that. And so of course I slowed significantly and I, I PR'd by like two minutes and I had to go to the medical tent afterward or the aid tent. And I was like severely dehydrated. And that was also the time my husband proposed at the finish line of Leadville. So I was like super dehydrated with him proposing. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> like I am so out of it, but yes. 
So you have great photos of you looking like you're about to like desiccate. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think his line was like, I know you really want Gatorade right now, Aww. but will you marry me? I mean, it was something like that. He prefaced it with like, I know you really want Gatorade. He's like, yeah, like, where is it? Are you bringing me any? Marry me. That's yes. hilarious. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Show me the Gatorade first. <laughs> You're going to do Leadville again. It seems like it's an yeah. annual tradition then. Yes, we registered last Thursday. Registration opened for June of 2022. We're in for the marathon. Well, I'm in with, for the marathon. So is Kyle. My parents are going to do the heavy half. Yeah, so it's open. We're excited. Have you ever considered going up to the 50? Yes. You read my mind. That is <laughs> seriously. It's the coach in me. I'm like, you did this. Maybe you can do the next one. <laughs> yeah, yes. No, that is a high on my bucket list of races I want to do. I want to do the Leadville Silver Rush 50 race, 50 mile race. I want to do Pikes Peak Marathon, which is also out in Colorado and is a lot of climbing and trails and things like that. Um, yeah, I just want to keep pushing myself and trying new races and distances and see what happens. Um, so excited to see what you're going to do next. Thank you. Thanks, Elizabeth. <laughs> and so you mentioned that you have a coach, but I, you are a coach, of course. And tell us about, tell us about your job, your career in this space. And I know, like I said, I've been following you for years. Tell us how we can find you, follow you and what you do. Oh, thanks. Yes. So I am a running coach. I started Strongest Self LLC back in August of 2018. I don't think I mentioned this. When we were living in Boston for eight years, I was teaching. I taught pre-K for seven years. I was teaching for eight and um, helping people and encouraging people to be their best selves and pushing them to their limits and kind of um, teaching people something that I'm passionate about has always been something I loved. So I love teaching. And when I became more passionate about running, I think it was back in 2017, I just thought, you know what, I would love to help other runners improve and learn and see what they could do with this sport. So yeah, I strong, I started coaching. And yeah, I now do it full time. I stepped away from teaching this past June and and building my team. And I'm so excited for my athletes and you know what's to come for in 2022. And I would love to help you if you're listening and looking for a coach. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Elizabeth underscore healthy underscore life. And I also have a blog elizabethhealthylife.com. There's some information about my coaching there. You can always DM me about coaching or questions. I'm always happy to chat running, trail running, coaching. Um, yeah. And that's all going to be linked below in the show notes if you want to find Elizabeth and follow her. And yes, if you're looking for a coach who maybe has experience in racing trails, Elizabeth might be the person you are looking to work with. <laughs> Every coach has their own niche. And I will say trail running is not mine. It sounds like it is hers. So and we are all good at something. We don't have to be good at everything. And it sounds like you are really becoming very good at trail running. Thank you. Thanks. I'm excited for Leadville and for what's to come. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate everything that you have you know, done for the community and what you're continuing to do. And thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I had a lot of fun. 
I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, you can always find and follow me on Instagram at Running Explained. And if you're looking for a coach or a training plan, check me out. Visit my website, runningexplained.co. That's runningexplained.co. See you next time. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition.